What up, folks, family? It's Leo here, and it is official. Our podcast series, Welcome to the Future, starts now. It's real, man. This is our first episode in a while. It feels great to be talking to you all. I hope you know you have a great season ahead of you. Uh, be sure to tune in every Friday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our weekly upload. You can catch it streaming live exclusively on FOS.com. That's F-O-H-S-E.com. But you can also find it listed at all podcast directories. So without further ado, welcome to the future. You know we have to kick off the first episode right with our Fos family. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Fos' CEO and president, Brett Stevens and Ben Arnett. Fellas, welcome to the table. Uh, how does it feel to have a podcast, really? It's finally happening. Love the platform. Uh, love the idea of having a place where growers, new and old, cultivators, investors, everyone can come and kind of ask some of the questions that need to be said about uh, cannabis cultivation in a commercial setting and one lighting. Uh, there's been a lot of bad marketing and uh, bad products put out and it's time to shed some light, pun intended, on uh, what's actually happening. Bam! What about yourself, sir? I think it's great. Uh, I think it's great. It gives us a voice to uh, to really uh, bring some honesty and uh, some integrity to uh, to uh, light science and, uh, and help us um, provide as much uh, or more value to the industry as we, we can. Now, the things you guys have to know about a podcast is a podcast with a brand is the perfect vehicle when you want to tell your story. If you want to tell your story, have guest people tell your story. Um, that's what we're going to be doing on this series. It's going to have some celebrity guests. We're going to have some cultivators, some growers, investors, um, some key people you may want to know um, throughout this journey where you get to know the brand of FOS. And starting off, I'll start with you, Brett. Uh, what is FOS? Where did FOS come from? What, what is it for the people that don't know? So uh, FOS, an acronym for Future of Horticulture, Science, and Engineer, uh, Engineering. It was derived from actually the Greek word phos, P-H-O-S, which, is, uh, which means light um, in, in Greek. Uh, so originally the company was going to be called FOS, P-H-O-S, as in like photosynthesis. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, there's some trademark issues and whatnot, so we had to look for a new way to spell uh, P-H-O-S. So we spelled it uh, F-O-H-S-E and gave it an acronym. How long did it take you to flip that once you had once you got the name? Yeah, I think we did it inside of a week. So one thing you'll learn on this podcast is you'll really, really learn the genius behind this brand. These guys are um, they're beyond their time with innovation and they're really, really intelligent. So you're really going to get to learn behind the scenes of how they really developed it. Um, what about you, Ben? What, what was your um, contribution with with starting folks and and uh, piggybacking on what he said? Yeah. So like uh, Brett said, uh, one of the biggest things that everyone uh, in the founding team had was just an entrepreneur spirit. Uh, we didn't fester on any bad news or any negativity too long. We immediately would pivot like PHOS to FOHSE. Um, it was actually Brett and I uh, raising capital in Las Vegas and on the West Coast for cannabis cultivations, uh, real estate, a couple other things. And a friend of mine from high school who was a robotics laser engineer, uh, multiple patents on heart defibrillators, and pacemakers reached out to uh, myself and Brett while we were actually going to a cultivation that had actually just burnt down a crop from HPSs and said, hey, check out this LED light. Um, I think it could change the game. It was high powered. It had a full spectrum. It was stuff that we hadn't seen on the market before. And we said, this looks pretty interesting. Let's, you know, build a couple of prototypes and see what happens. So we flew them out, flew all the components out. Uh, Brett and I actually owned a motocross shop at the time. And we spent a whole weekend hand building four prototypes. And after that, we brought them to a couple of different cultivations we had had 
um, some ins at. And 60 days later, a couple of them called us back and said, you guys need to see this. And there was plants growing sideways into our lights, away from other lights. And it, at that point, Brett and I, again, you know, the light bulb clicked, pun intended. We were like, we are getting out of cultivation. We're going pick and shovel. We're going to do this thing right. And that's when we really dug into FOS, light science, and tried to just sponge up everything we could um, and really start innovating. One, our first product, which is our A3i. Um, and then the rest of the, the catalog, as you saw, the F1V, O6i, Pallades, Cobra, Aries, uh, Scorpio. I mean, if there was a light you guys needed, so we, we made it. Right. <laughs> so, How important have you guys noticed or how important is it um, having, having a quality LED light for growers and cultivators within this industry? You want to take that one? Yeah, I mean, it's pivotal, right? Uh, I think that um, having something that's high quality is... Uh, one, it's very important for the reliability of, of um, the crop, knowing what you're going to have, especially if you're s selling into futures or um, if you're trying to, to kind of look at where the company is going to be and, and what the yields are going to be. Um, so making sure that you're, you're not losing light um, is kind of pivotal to that. Uh, and then also quality, right? Um, making sure that you're buying a, a light that um, is not only producing more scrams per square foot, uh, but that you can in the, in the facility uh, because again that's bottom bottom line but also you want to you want something that's going to increase the quality as well whether it be um, overall terpenes or or um, thc whatever it is uh, having a high quality light will will help you increase both those now what does the average person say to you guys when they come to you looking for a better product this isn't to talk crap on other people's products but obviously there's a need for quality um, so how do people approach you usually what does that conversation start like yeah. Um, honestly, usually people, when they first hear about FOS, it's either one, they knew us from a friend that's using our products, or two, they saw some of our marketing and said, I've never seen a light output that high. You've got my curiosity. Because most of, I mean, if you look at just basic spec sheets, the A3I puts out 4,300, 4,200 PPF. Uh, the next closest competitor is about half that. So you got to imagine, I mean, all growers are going to go, why would they make a light so powerful? And then you start seeing what the plants do underneath it. And you talk about ramping, how we start at 50%, go up a percent a day, switch spectrums to help reduce shock and stress in early stages. That first month, the plant pops into flower. Um, and what that does over the entire crop cycle or at harvest means higher terpenes, cannabinoids, better yields, better canopy penetration, um, putting the right stress to the plant. There's a lot of things that come with it. So one, it's it's a it's a curiosity thing, and two, if they see what the light has done, then it's usually a yeah, I saw the A3i, I want that, and like they know what they want, or they say, hey, what would you guys recommend? I see you guys put out some high powered stuff. No one else is doing that. Why did you do it? You know, how did you do it? And what are the what's the benefit? Um, so th that's usually the main conversations we have. You know, a couple dozen times a week. What's the largest misconception that you both have come across as relates to people saying, oh, no, we don't need that right now. We're, we're good with this light that we have. It's our numbers aren't great. Our yields are OK. We are losing a little bit of light. But what's the misconception that you try to connect with those people? <laughs> Number one, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is an easy one right here. This is uh, that high PPFD means low quality. That's the farthest thing from the truth. That's uh, uh, genetics are going to express the way genetics do. And as long as you're keeping up with 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 feed and um, and as long as you're, you're keeping up with with removing the, the moisture from the air, you're you're going to have monster plants that are, are beautiful, full of THC. So, ladies and gentlemen, essentially what he's saying is yes, the lights are important, 
but there are, there are so many other variables that have to go into play as it relates to having a successful room, as he says, removing the moisture from the room um, and a few other variables like that. So what would you say is a misconception that you've noticed? Yeah, that's that's one of the big ones uh, that we've just noticed recently is people uh, miscommunicating high PPFD to low quality, which Brett kind of nailed. You know, this is when feedings were only at 2OEC or, you know, they didn't know how to use high high intensity lights but it's very easily combated once you start looking and you talk to a couple of cultivators who are using 1500 ppfd and you see their coas you see the yields and they're not one just achieving higher quality uh, they're achieving higher yields and they're doing it faster um, and that's because the photosynthetic rates in the plants with more light energy there's more photosynthesis going on those chemical reactions are happening more and faster so when that happens you know you can't say there's going to be less quality oil from a higher energetic plant like that's just that doesn't make any fucking sense um another thing would be the price definitely just a marketing tactic for people yeah, it's, that it's marketing tactic. can't do what we do <laughs> it's funny the only time you see that said is by companies who don't have a light that puts out 3000 ppf <laughs> so um another thing is price um people assume fos is associated with like bugatti veron pricing which yes we do have expensive lights but we price match people we have leasing programs and we have other lighting options and models and fixtures for uh, specific budgets um like we have a company we work with hoplite powered by fos if you need just a foldable quick easy light to use that's a couple hundred bucks we've got you if you need a vertical system the f1v is you know damn near priced at a dollar a watt um if you want the multi-spectrum lights that change colors or that you can go from spring summer autumn you know, 4,000 PPF, it might be a little more expensive to get some of those units. But I mean, that's why we have, you know, Porsche 911 Turbo S and we got the Boxster, both our Porsches, <laughs> you know. Sure. Brand loyalty is key. And I think uh, great products enables you to have a long relationship with the brand such as FOS. Um, what has been a deciding factor in scaling the company as you guys have done in the last seven years? What has been one of the leading decisions in growing it, you would say? Uh, making sure we don't grow too fast. Uh, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, first and foremost, integrity is number one at FOS. Uh, so we're never just going to send uh, lights and just say good luck, right? Um, we want to be here with you guys uh, as they're growing. We want to make sure that if there's anything we can do to make sure that they're successful, we're there, whether it be helping with genetics or whether it be helping with, you know, uh, any SOPs, whatever, whatever needs to happen in that grow to make sure that their success is, is, is going on is what we need to do because in, in the end, their success is our success. And so, um, we really, really, we really pride ourselves in, um, growing, um, slow, uh, as a company, as far as, uh, making sure that we are taking on clients that, um, we can provide value to, and that, um, won't just be kind of, washed down the uh down the proverbial sink um as as we continue to to grow and grow and grow so yeah i'm, I'm just going to kind of build off of what he said um and we kind of call it rolling the red carpet out um we're not just a lighting manufacturer first and foremost we are an engineering firm everything you see is designed in-house we are the manufacturer the oem um everything's built through CAD, SOLIDWORKS. And when we started growing this company, we went from a couple guys and we never had crazy sales tactics. We weren't pushy. We didn't do aggressive pricing or cutthroat anything. It was just put up the lights. If you want to test it against someone, we encourage it. We always encourage testing and just let the plants be the judge. The plants will always tell the truth, right? Um, but with that um, was bringing on people um, with expertise that we didn't have. Um, so like our horticultural team, 
um, completely brought on by us from guys who had used our technology in commercial settings and greenhouse vertical grows, single tier, grown against HPS with our LEDs and guys who have, you know, I mean, basically collected all the data on how they were so successful with our units. We brought those guys on and made them our in-house horticultural team. They will go out and spend days, if not weeks, with clients, depending on how fast they need to learn how to use these systems or if there's any issues that they do have. And they will mitigate problems. They will write SOPs, plant care protocol. Um, and they'll kind of hold their hand through that first harvest. Uh, that's been a huge one for us because, you know, maybe 90% of our guys knock it out of the park first time they put up the lights. But for those 10%, you know, we, we don't want that, that 10% to fall behind. If, if we can help even 10% or 1%, you know, it's, it's a win for us. And like Brett said, their success is ours. And we don't want anyone, you know, to have a bad story with us. Our integrity is, is everything. Um, so really kind of going above and beyond, whether it be engineers or horticulturists, plant physiologists, we, uh, we got your back. So considering that their success is our success, right? When did you know that this was a big deal? Humbly speaking, when did you know that folks was a big deal? First run. So first, uh, we knew, I mean, from the, we, when we built the original prototypes, uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't guess, um, this was something that was, uh, like Ben was telling before we, we, this was drawn from a blank sheet of paper essentially, um, in house. So we didn't, we didn't go to a private label manufacturer or we didn't go to like a contract manufacturer and say, Hey, we want to slap our name on something. Uh, we, we built this, uh, everything was bespoke. Our first, uh, lights, uh, you know, we, we're, we're taking the PCBs and, and, uh, and we're soldering and we're, I mean, we're, we're building these lights from the ground up. So, uh, I guess originally we, we knew it was going to be pretty special when, um, when we saw what we were doing and when we were comparing it to what else was in the industry at the time. And we were, we were just so far away from those 600 watt, you know, we're, we're our very first light ever was a G2V. It was called the G2V, which is, um, the star class G2V, which is our sun. The whole idea was to make that light. Uh, as powerful as the sun. Uh, we wanted to put two 2200 PPFD down to the plants. Um, and so what we did is we, um, we built that and, uh, you know, we're 1200 Watts. And the, at that time, I think, uh, one of our competitors, the only thing, the, the biggest thing they had on the market at that point was a 600 watt light. So we're twice as powerful. We put it in, um, directly against that light and, uh, another light also that, that, um, and, and we outgrew that those lights on our first run and within weeks, and then we moved it to flower, and then we, you know, that's when, you know, when within four weeks we knew we we're going against, you know, these double-ended HPS, and we we're like, well, here's what we'll find out if a photon really is just a photon, or if spectrum makes a difference, or you know, we're going to look at the photomorphogenic response of the plant, see where the plants, like what Ben was talking about, when the plants really started leaning in toward our lights. That's when we knew we were really feeding them the right way, and I mean, we knew right out of the way, right out of the gate, when these got hung within two, three weeks, we had something that we had to bring to the market. What was the first call you got that you knew from someone that had your lights? What was the first call where you knew, damn it, we're in there? <laughs> yeah, that would probably be Kevin Coutte. That was the guy who kind of tested a couple prototypes for us, and he did in multiple applications. He was throwing them in different flower rooms, different temperatures, and he was actually collecting data, uh, which was big um, seven years ago. Not everyone was doing it. I mean, you walk in and it'd be like coffee-stained clipboards of their feeding schedules, and uh, Kevin was using stuff that no one else had even tried before. And he had tried 13 other LEDs since we'd walked in the door. Um, and when he called us, uh, and I remember the story, Brett tells it all the time. Um, he's gonna, he said, I'm gonna call you in two weeks. It either works or it doesn't. If you don't pick up your phone and it doesn't work, I'm throwing oh, it in the trash. <laughs> and he goes, it's called the LED graveyard. And he brought us back. It was like a weird thing to show 
this he, at the time, but there was like a bunch of just LEDs yeah. thrown on the Someone ground. He had, been, he had been testing so many Chinese-made, you know, Alibaba lights that uh, were private label lights that, that weren't really bringing any more value um, to him. Uh, you know, he wanted to stay in the yields of the HPS, and, and he literally had a graveyard in, of a trash area because GB Sciences was, was a really well-known and respected place out here, right? Um, if you can think of a, if you can think of a light um, in the industry now, they probably tested over at JB Science, GB Sciences, <laughs> and uh, and we beat all of them. Our first run with our very first light that we made, bespoke, one off um, in a moto in a motocross shop. <laughs> so that was uh, that's when we really knew, like, holy cow, we have something so different. Yeah, he called us in, and uh, he goes, I have one in flower, one in veg, or no, two in flower, one in veg. And he shows us the one in veg, and the fan leaves are like the size, like bigger than your hands, like they're like the size of footballs. And we were like, we're like, that's good, right? And he was like, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Um, and then we went to the flower room, and then that's when we saw it, it was the same genetic, and the plants underneath our light were six inches taller, much healthier. I mean, you didn't have to be a, hortic a horticultural specialist to know that those were the plants that you'd put your money on. And then they were growing sideways. Other plants were growing sideways, like literally going through the trellis. He's like, yeah, we actually have to move the tables away from your light because the plants keep trying to attack your light. Yeah, they were having they had, they, were, they had them on GGS rolling tables and they had to uh, make sure that, you know, there's three there's three um, rows of tables and they had to make sure that, you know, ours was in the middle, uh, that the two on the outsides were on the far outside, because otherwise uh, the plants would try to grow into our lights because of what we've been of what we've been able to do with our spectrum and, and, and power out of that. So two things here. So the, the gentleman that he mentioned, Mr. Kevin Coutte, he is the VP of cultivation at Loom Cannabis. Um, definitely a figure you'll want to look into and, and learn some more about as it relates to folks in our partnership with them. Um, there was a follow-up question that I had with that. Um, and being on the front leading edge of cultivation and uh, innovation with LED lights, <clears throat> How do you guys continue to stay ahead with new lights? I know we have one coming called the Hop Light, which is for the home growers. Um, what what info could you what info could you share there? Yeah, I mean we're we're just always watching and and seeing where we can provide value. Uh, that's we're we're never just going to make something to make it. Um, we could make anything. Um, we have engineers um, on staff and and hired. Um, we will not just make a light. Uh, so such as in like UV, right? Um, the the data. Um, the real world data over years and years and years of reading all kinds of data says that, that UV isn't, isn't what a lot of people think that it is. Um, it's a good way to burn plants. And other than that, it doesn't, you know, so it, it doesn't really provide value. So for us, um, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't jump on that, that board, right? We were testing far reds and reds, um, during flush in 2015, right? Um, we've, we've done all these tests and we could make anything, but for us, uh, really staying, um, staying valuable uh you know making sure that if we're selling something to a grow we're not just taking their money uh, that's not what we're doing this for we want to make sure that we're um providing something that is, is creating value so if we if we're in the industry and we're saying okay we need to do this we need to do that um like i said we can make anything and um, as soon as we see where there's some data behind whoa this is this is viable whether it be um a more value um a more value generated light um where you know it's a lower barrier to entry uh, price point wise or it's growing the biggest plants uh, that you can, um, that's, you know, that's more what we're looking for is value. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of go off of what he said. Um, again, you know, we've built lights for propagation, veg, mothers, early flower. We've tested spectrums for every, everything. you know, clone, tr- you know, down to k- tissue cuts. Um, we've made lights for everything. Um, I mean, even including different form factors. For one of our clients, we built a seven-foot light just because they had they didn't want to put any more plugs into a grow. So we're like, yeah, we got you. Not a problem. It was a rack. So they it was a rack system. They wanted one light per four by eight. Well, we'll make a seven and a half foot light for you. No problem. Um, We've done it. Um, it, Like you said, it's providing value, whether it be our technology, our team, our knowledge, you know, whatever you need. Our partners. You know, we we don't just have clients. We have partners like Green Bodie and Brothers Grimm and Loom. Um, and Valley Pier and some of these bigger guys, MSOs that are willing to even jump on the phone with other local cultivators that are their competitors and be like, yeah, I'm seeing these results. I'm doing this. You know, do you want to come do a tour? We've got guys that will literally tour their competitors through their grow because of the the relationship we have with them. And that's what we really strive for um, is educating the masses. And again, like Brett said, just providing value every, every turn, every chance we get provide value. So this takes me back to an earlier question. So knowing that you guys provide such value within the cannabis industry and growers, did you guys ever see Vegas? For those that may not know, our headquarters is here in Vegas. Um, We're about 10 miles or 10 minutes from the airport, I would say. Did you guys ever see Vegas turn into the market it is now with knowing, well, maybe you did, which is why folks is obviously ahead of the game. But what were some of those signs that you knew? Yeah, I mean, we we both came to Vegas for the cannabis industry. Uh, We both moved from the Midwest here. Uh, for the cannabis industry, uh, so we um, we we knew we wanted to be a part of of this market. Uh, we didn't know the the regulations were going to going to be as good as they are here. Um, for for anybody that doesn't know, the the regulations here are pretty strict, and um, it's it's a great environment to grow cannabis in, in this state. Uh, probably one of the best, uh, I think, maybe maybe in the whole country. Um, so, as far as if you're a cultivator. Um, the testing's really, really strict. We, you know, we, we liked it. I mean, that's how it's originally how we, we got into this, right? We were both, um, we were both in a grow, uh, working at a grow, uh, and then, you know, came from the plant side over to here. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just so happened that, uh, we're in a desert and, uh, and we, we could see, um, we could see, uh, more quickly than I guess anybody else, um, the need for LED, uh, so we were really in a, in a, in a unique position to where we knew, um, you know, we knew engineers, um, we knew we, there was a need, uh, as far as, um, we knew the market and we knew what the, what the climate was like here. And, um, you know, we didn't want to run night cycles. We, uh, we didn't want to compete against the nightlife business here. Uh, so as far as like hiring manpower, so we needed something to where we weren't freezing our ACs up right, in the summer. Sure. What about you? Were you all on board with Vegas? Yeah. Like Brett said, we didn't know how well it was going to roll out. We just knew that this was going to be an awesome market based on all the research we did on Colorado and California. And we saw this is just like the destination spot. When you saw how many millions of people come here a year, you're like, this is, this market's solid, (laughs) you know, and everyone's willing to overpay. So it's, it seemed like a phenomenal market. And then we saw the bonuses of limited licensing and making sure that all the cultivators came with awesome business plans. I mean, they had to go through so much just to get that license. I think we only have like half the licenses in use right now too. But because of that, the price of cannabis, the price per pound of the cultivators, the cultivators are making money in Nevada. You know, unlike other places at a couple hundred bucks a pound, you're getting still two, three thousand dollars a pound here in Nevada. So if you can grow, this is a great market for sure. 
Now, I've, I've been doing some research just recently earlier when we were doing just checking around, and it's looking like the Northeast is looking to become the cannabis country with New York and Jersey being on the front line of that. Do you see a huge market or potential in the Northeast with some of the partners there with cannabis? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, we're, we're doing business with all those guys, right? Um, the the industry is opening up over there. Um, yeah, I think that... Uh, if it's anything like Michigan is, it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to blow up. Then so I mean, it's such a huge, I mean, New York is a tourist city, like, you know, Vegas, LA, you know, I, I think New York could be like, kind of like the next Amsterdam where, sure. you know, Vegas was a, it's a melting pot here. You get people from, Everywhere. I mean, all over, you can go to Fremont and see a different crew, or you can go to Ari and see like a, a Dubai princess. Yeah, absolutely. So you got, and every one of them is probably going to smoke some weed when they come here. Absolutely. Yep. So the, or consume it in some way because you have, for those who may be, you know, babies to consuming cannabis, you obviously have flour, but you have oils, you have topical creams, you have edibles, candies, you have, you have various options here is essentially what we're saying. So, I mean, when you come to Vegas, there are multiple ways for you to enjoy how you consume cannabis. Um, but I just wonder your thoughts on that, obviously, with the tri-state in New York, um, you know. I think it'll be interesting to see how they roll their their uh, their, their regulations. That's going to determine, I think, how their market goes yeah. for sure. Um, they got a lot of money out there, obviously. Um, you got tribes out there. I know that we're working with a couple of them. Those guys are already gung-ho getting set up. Um, and it's just going to be like how they roll it out, how they work with legacy growers and the institutional money that is New York and how they work together and play nice uh, is going to be another big thing. Um, you know, some of the West Coast has been dealing with in California since they started trying to legalize it. it's black market versus reg market versus legacy. And, you know, there's always going to be some heads that butt. Um, and there's a fine line, too. Um, there's a fine line you got to ride. And as this is the biggest, smallest industry ever. If you mess up your, you know, your name one time, you are screwed. You'll get black booked or blacklisted. It's it's which is important. I mean, your name represents a lot, especially in this industry. That's all you have. Your integrity is everything. Integrity and your name is everything. Well, all right, gentlemen, I don't want to give too much away in the first episode. I know both of you will be back again this season, so we will certainly keep this conversation going. But in the meantime, it's been real, guys. For those of you just joining us, be sure to tune in every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our weekly podcast streaming exclusively on Foch.com. That's F-O-H-S-E.com. And it's also available on all digital streaming platforms. So again, I'm your host, Leo Wilson, and you're now locked into Welcome to the Future.